neat to be able to reach an audience that may not be here in person. So those of you who are here by Facebook, either you're watching this later, you're watching this now, hello. Everyone behind you says hello. Just believe me and trust me. Why don't you all say hello? There, you see, maybe you heard them, maybe you didn't. But anyway, welcome to everybody. And today we're going to start a new series. How many of you like the weather outside so far this winter? One person raised their hand. They were afraid to raise their hand because they thought everyone would turn on them, right? So it has been a rather interesting winter. Uh, You know, the cold is one thing, but the cold and the snow at the same time. And, you know, then it's cold and then it's warm. And I think there's freezing rain coming. So they say that people get depressed in the wintertime. Do you get depressed like, like many people do? I know you're all supposed to be super Christians and you never get depressed. All right, uh, but you could be honest once and say sometimes you do get depressed. Anyway, you wake up in the morning, it's dark outside. You come home from work, it's dark outside. It's always dark outside and you feel like hibernating, you know, and it just can be a very, very difficult season, wintertime. Uh, but I need to remind you, we live in Quebec where there are how many seasons? Four. Yeah, we get all four here in Quebec so but anyway oftentimes in the winter when we face the kind of oh it's a grind you know how many of you your hand cream you know your skin cracks and trouble sleeping and all this kind of sometimes it's good to to try and strip life make bare a little bit and focus on some of the things that we don't always focus on it's a great time to think about prayer it's a really great time. And a lot of churches use the winter months uh, to teach on the subject of prayer. So I want to start a series on that subject um, called Teach Us to Pray. And we'll look at just really a couple of uh, sections of Scripture for the next few weeks. Um, how many of you think it might be a good idea to listen to what Jesus has to say on the subject of prayer? Yes? Might be a good idea. I mean, he might have known what he was talking about. Uh, so to speak. So uh, the the passages in question there, Luke 11 and Matthew 6 uh, in the New Testament, really, really easy to find. If you can find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the big four guys. So if you can find them, uh, we'll just look in in, uh, Matthew's and Luke's account of a section of Scripture that we know so, so, so well. Um, usually if you come from a Catholic background or a Protestant background or sometimes a different religious background, you know the blank prayer. What's the blank? Starts with an L. The Lord's Prayer. Right? And we just, sometimes we memorize this as children. And we know this prayer inside and out, inside and out. Uh, but we, we often do not think about what it really means. We often do not look at it in, in its broader context. And we often miss the umph and the importance of what Jesus is really teaching us about prayer here. Uh, so Luke 11, Matthew 6. What I'm going to do is read it to you, but I'm going to jump back and forth. Because um, in, the, in the Gospels, uh, what we have here is we've got four different guys who often talk about the same thing. And it fits together sometimes like a jigsaw puzzle. You see one looks at it from one angle, one looks at it from another angle. 
and you can put these things together, and it's quite interesting when you do that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play with it a little bit this morning and jump between the two, all right? So I'm going to start with Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, um, one of his disciples, we don't know which one, said to him, here's the question, Lord, teach us to pray. Oh, that is an amazing question. And if you're Jesus and you hear that question, Lord, teach us to pray. Wow, you've probably got something to say. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So this would be John the Baptist. He taught his disciples to do things. So Lord, we want to hear from you. Lord, teach us to pray. You just finished praying in a certain place. You seem to have the mojo that we don't have. Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus takes them up on their offer. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and now I'm going to jump back to Matthew chapter 6 because it's a little thicker there. This is the Lord's Prayer kind of in full. And you probably know it by heart. Matthew 6 verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, yeah, your will be mm -hmm, on earth as it is in... All right, good. Give us today our daily... Right? And forgive us our as we also have forgiven our debtors or those who sinned against us, and lead us not into, right, and, but deliver us from, and in some, uh, some translations you'll have the fancy, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and yada, yada, yada. Uh, some of them you will, some of them you won't, but in any way, that's the, that's the basic umph of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew. And then he continues there in Matthew, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wow. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow, wow. And then we jump back to Luke, and Luke renders it a little, little differently, the ending there, which we'll get into in a moment. But I want to give you this, this whole thing on prayer, lesson by lesson, um, uh, point by point, very, very simple. So lesson one for today. And again, we're going to shorten the service a little bit because we're going to have our meeting afterwards. So lesson one for today. Pray with persistence. Pray with persistence. Um, I am convinced that most people who attend most churches on a regular basis do not pray too often. They come to church, they do the whole thing, they know the whole, the whole presentation and the whole compartment, they know all of the, they can walk the talk and at least when they're with people and they look appear to be very spiritual and very Christian and da 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 and they, 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 everything looks just great. But I am convinced that the truth be told underneath the surface, most people, we go home from the church service, we, we retain maybe 2% of, of what went on, you know, maybe 2%. And, and in terms of like prayer and really actually praying, 
personally or maybe as a family or maybe as a couple on a regular and consistent basis, I am convinced that most of the time this is not happening. You say, wow, that is a very strong statement. How can you be so sure of this? Well, number one, I reflect on my own experience. And my tendency, maybe you're like me, I don't know, or maybe you're more spiritual than me, I don't know, but my tendency is to not pray. I don't know about you, but that's my tendency. My tendency is, ah, you know, it's just a lot of work, and, you know, I have to actually make time in my schedule to pray. And you say, yeah, but you're a professional Christian. Like, you're a pastor. So, shouldn't you be praying? Yeah, yeah, I should be praying. I should be praying more than I'm praying. Uh, And I just, I reflect on my own experience and I find that prayer can be a very, very difficult thing for me. So I just wonder if people who, who, you know, are in churches have maybe the same experience. But here's another reason why I think most of us don't pray as much as we want to. And we certainly have problems praying in any kind of persistent fashion. Especially here where we live. Uh, Because if you look outside the window... And, you, and if you were to stand in the foyer and you were to look at the entire city of Montreal and the entire city of Brossard, I'm just going to remind us once again, and I'm going to do it in the meeting also that we have after the service today, we are not reaching 98% of our population. 98% in the province of Quebec uh, could care less about God, could care less about forgiveness of sin, could care less about the whole idea of you know eternal life and a relationship with Jesus and all that. They could care less. You know because you work with them and go to school with them and live with them maybe, you, you, your family, whatever, they could care less, friends. And we, if we were praying with persistence, let me tell you what would happen. Our hearts would literally break for the lost outside of our window here. Our hearts would naturally be drawn and we would be zealous and passionate to spread the news of Jesus Christ to anybody in that 98% right outside the window here. And we're not doing it. Most of us are not doing it. And most of us need to say, hey, like, is, is there something to this? So just the idea of praying, period, can be a struggle for us. And it shows in how we relate to other people. It, it, when was the last time that you wept for lost people? that you literally felt your heart break for the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are on their way to a Christless eternity. When was the last time you felt that? Um, If that's not there, then you've missed, in a sense, and I've missed, in a sense, the heartbeat of God because He weeps and weeps and weeps for lost people. He weeps to get people's attention. He is running after people and running after people. And most people in our province are completely oblivious to it. Um, I'm doing, as I said to you last week, I'm doing two days a week now. Again, 
over at the, the mission at the food bank on Provencher. And I work with people and serve with people who, they're not Christian folks. You know, and one of them asked me, they said, well, I, you know, I told them what I did and everything, and, and she was like, well, you, so you're a priest? I said, well, kind of, you know, and I'm a, I'm a minister. I'm a, well, what do you believe? And, you know, I told her what I believe. And she said, oh, okay, well, well, I believe this and I believe that. And, and she, she looked at me and she scratched her head. She said, why in the world would you want to be here? Why would you want to, like you're, you do weddings and that kind of thing? Like you're a, I said, yeah, that's what I do. Well, why would you want to come here? I said, well, because I like being with people who don't believe in all of these things. I like to be out in the community with people who don't, don't go to church. And the lady was just stunned. She couldn't believe that a, that a, a person of the cloth would actually you know, commune and serve with, with her. Let me tell you, friends, like it's, it's everywhere. It's 98% of our population. And if we were praying persistently, we would have a natural inclination to, as we say in our church, to reach the one who is far from God. So we have to start somewhere and, you know, a lot of things happen when you pray persistently. It's not just a burden for people who are not Christians. But when you read these texts in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6, you see this phrase over and over again. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, Jesus says it four or five times there. Um, if you look again, Matthew 6, Luke, Luke 11. And he, he's assuming that we pray. <laughs> he's saying, when you pray. And I think today in the 21st century, at least the Western church in, the, in North America, like this can no longer be assumed that we are praying in a persistent fashion. I think in other nations, the prayer level is much more fervent and much more passionate, especially in places of persecution. They can pray in a much more fervent and persevering and passionate fashion because their desperation level is much higher than ours ours is very low how many of you have been following the story of the pakistani woman uh, asia bibi who is who i think is now out of pakistan and in canada somewhere who knows she could be in quebec no one really knows except i'm sure you know the federal government and, and prime minister trudeau etc but um, you know that's a place where she came from is a place where christianity is you know that's not the majority over there you 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 can be persecuted severely i bet you the prayer level is a lot more desperate i bet you it's a lot more persevering i bet you it's a lot more passionate because of the level of persecution but we live here in North America, and so our tendency is to live life without this kind of persistent prayer. But Jesus assumes that we do pray, um, and so he, he in in Luke's gospel, uh, here's here's a, a quick lesson. He he finishes the prayer, and he tells a story as a continuation of the prayer. And this is the part that we don't often quote. We know the Lord's Prayer, but we don't know what Jesus says after the Lord's Prayer. And so he tells a little story. And in Luke 11, uh, verse 5, it starts this way. He says, look, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight, and he says, uh, friend, I need some bread. 
Okay, I need three loaves of bread. Again, first century, Middle East, you know, Palestine, the, 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 it's, it's different. The food, is the, the, the value of bread is much higher than it is today. So friend, lend me three loaves of bread. I, I've got company, a friend of mine on a journey has come. I've got no food. Can you, because you're my friend, can you give me three loaves of bread? And so the guy behind the door, he answers, and, it, and what does he say? Oh, praise the Lord, brother. Here I have some fresh Tim Hortons for you. Avail yourself to my bread. Now, this is what he says. He says, don't bother me. <laughs> is his answer. Don't bother me. Look, it's midnight. The door's locked. My children are in bed. I, I don't have time for you. I can't get up and give you anything. Um, and Jesus continues the story. And he says, look, I tell you, that though he will not get up and give him the bread because of their friendship, yet because of the man's boldness, he's knocking on that door. Listen, I'm in trouble here. I need to be hospitable. This is a very valued thing in, in, the, in their culture. And he's not, the man is not taking no for an answer. Because of his boldness, Jesus says he will get up and he will give him as much as he needs, simply because the man is asking over and over again, and because he's so persistent, not even because he values their friendship, but because of his persistence, the man will say, here, 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 take, all, take what you need and just go, because you're just bothering me with your persistence, and you need your bread, so just take it and go. And Jesus, he, he, he proves the point, and he says, or he gets to the point, he says, so I say to you, verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, well, will you give him a snake instead? Or uh, if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Well, of course not. If you then, though you are evil, ouch, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What's he saying? He's saying you've got to be persistent. Ask, seek, knock. How many of you, you knocked on a door this way? Knock. And you walked away from the door. You'd never do that. What do you do? You knock on the door. You keep knocking on the door, especially if you know that the person is there. You knock on it. You pound on it. You do a secret knock. You think that they'll understand. You keep knocking. You say, listen, I know you're in there. Answer the door. Knock, 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 knock. And you're going to bother him, bother him, bother him, bother him. And if you watch this silly show, um, uh, the Big Bang Theory. Any of you watch this? What's the name of the tall, gangly guy, the really nerdy guy? I know they're all nerdy. Sheldon. So how does Sheldon knock on the door? What's the name of the girl there who he knocks on her door? Penny, 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 Penny. He won't take no for an answer, this guy. He's so persistent. And what does she do? She opens the door. What is it, Sheldon? Okay, this is the type of thing that Jesus is talking about. This kind of persistence. Ask, seek, 
Knock. I mean, you're talking not to someone who doesn't love you, Jesus is saying. You're not talking to someone who's just going to answer because he's just annoyed. You're talking to your father. So you know what you need to do? You need to talk to your father. You need to ask. You need to seek. You need to knock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we live in comfortable North America where we have all kinds of solutions to our problems without asking God, without seeking God, without knocking on the door of God. We have all kinds of answers. We can do life ourselves. We are so inoculated to seeking persistently after God. But the invitation is here. Will you ask? Will you seek? Will you knock? Will you actually pray? Oh, and by the way, when you're done praying, pray again. And when you're done praying, pray again. And keep on praying and keep on persisting and keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking. You need, you need something from God? Well, you keep asking and you keep asking and you keep asking until you can't ask no more. You keep driving the point home. If you feel like, no, no, it's just not, no, God, I, I just need this thing. And I won't take no for an answer. Well, you keep asking and asking and asking and seeking and seeking and seeking and knocking and knocking and knocking and don't give up doing it. This is what Jesus is trying to say because you're going to one who loves you. Because you're going to one who is good. You're going to one who's going to give you because he loves you. Does that mean you're always going to have it your way? Does that mean you're always snap your little finger and, you know, claim this and claim that and you can push God around? Well, you know that's not true. And if you've been around here for a little while, you know that that's not true because this is not, this is not what the Scripture teaches. But on the other hand, are we praying at all? Are we asking? Are we seeking? Are we knocking? Are we persistent? in our prayer uh, so there's a there's a football game tonight um, that you may want to watch it's a cultural kind of almost like a worldwide in some some ways phenomenon the Super Bowl is on tonight and uh, there's a picture go ahead and put it on the screen Shania. so both teams have Christians on them the Patriots have Christians on them the Rams have Christians on them and they pray and, you know, they actually, maybe some people believe that God actually cares about sports. You know, and, oh God, we pray. Have you ever watched sports and you see fans praying? Like, they're so religious in sports. Oh God, you see tears coming down their faces when they're praying. Oh God, you know, there's a, especially if it goes right down to the wire, like it will tonight. It will go right. You mark my words, it's going to the last 10 seconds. The game will end in the last 10 seconds. You heard it here from the pastor. Okay? You don't have to be a genius to know this if you know anything about football and the two teams that are playing tonight. But they're praying. I mean, they're praying, praying for victory. The fans are praying. Oh, God, you know, there's more Christians on this team than that team. So, God, you're going to favor that team. And that team's going to win. And that, that Christians come up with all kinds of nonsense as if God, you know, picks teams in football. Um, but there's a great, great backstory about perseverance and this particular football game. And one particular player um, who will be on the field tonight. Uh, I will put his picture on the screen. 
from 17 years ago. Uh, so this is the scouting report on this individual after the combine event in the year 2000. Um, the combine is where they put these athletes through all kinds of athletic things and test their skills and their abilities. And this is a scouting report on this person before he was an NFL player. He was in college. Uh, good height to see the field. Very poised and composed. Smart and alert. Can read coverages. So if you're a quarterback, which, which he was and is, you read the coverage. Good accuracy and touch. Produces in big spots and in big games. Man, that sounds really good. Has some Brian Grease in him, who was a, a good quarterback back in the time for the, uh, in the NFL. I think he, he was a quarterback for the Broncos, amongst other teams. Is a gamer. Generally plays within himself. He's a team leader. But here are the negatives that the scouts said. Poor build. Very skinny. Narrow, looks like a rail at 211 pounds, looks a little frail and lacks great physical stature and strength, lacks mobility and ability to avoid the rush, lacks a really strong arm, can't drive the ball down the field, does not throw a really tight spiral, system player who can get exposed if he must ad-lib and do things on his own, gets knocked down easily. Wow, that's not really... <laughs> not really too good. Here's the summary. Is not what you're looking for in terms of physical structure, strength, arm strength, and mobility, but he has the intangibles and production and showed great, again, Brian Grease-like improvement as a senior. Uh, could make it in the right system, but will not be for everyone. Steve Mariucci, the head coach of the 49ers and the Lions back in that time, he said, he said this, You saw this tall, gangly-looking kid, looked like he'd never seen a weight room, ran a 5-2-something, that's in a 40-yard uh, uh, dash or 40-meter dash, one of the slowest quarterbacks in the combine. I mean, nobody thought that this player was going to go anywhere. Drafted by the New England Patriots in the sixth round, number 199. You may know his name now. It's Tom Brady. And I, as you, as you may know, do not necessarily like Tom Brady. He's sort of like Darth Vader, you know, and I exercise my right as a sports fan to dislike him. But let me make a prediction to you. The New England Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl tonight for one reason, the perseverance and the persistence of this man is going to give him what a one, two, three, four, five, sixth, I think, Super Bowl ring. They will likely win tonight by four points. You heard it here first. If I'm right, you will all come back in droves because your pastor is a prophet. But I will tell you that it is because of the perseverance and the stick to of this man. Love him or not love him. 
and the perseverance and the learning and the improvement as a player, it will drive his team to another, yes, another Super Bowl championship for the New England Patriots because of persistence and perseverance. Ask, seek, knock, keep learning, keep growing, keep pushing, keep moving the ball down the field. This man has an uncanny ability to move and drive that ball down the field. It is uncanny. I, I can't stand it whenever he gets the ball because I can see it happening. I can watch it happen. I met the, the championship game when the, when the team kicked the thing and the, it was tied and it was going to overtime. I turned off the television because I knew what was going to happen. Brady won the coin toss. The game was over in five minutes because he drove the ball down the field. And that, my friends, is what you need to do in prayer. You persevere and you drive the ball down the field. You ask, you seek, you knock, you learn, you push. You don't take no for an answer. You be like Sheldon. Patty, Patty, Patty. And you keep on keeping on. And that's how you learn Jesus told another story, and we'll close with this, Luke 18, the story of the persistent widow. Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he tells it this way, in a certain town there was a judge, and the judge was ungodly. The judge neither feared God nor cared about men. Wow, what a bad what a bad judge that would be. Doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people, and he's a judge. And there was a widow in that town. Husband had passed away. Widow in that town would have been very low standing in that time and in that culture. A widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice, Mr. Judge, against my adversary. So she has some kind of case where somebody is coming against her. Maybe someone's trying to extort money from her. We don't know what it is. We don't know anything about the adversary. But she has an adversary. She has a problem. She wants this judge to intervene and to render a judgment in her favor and against her adversary. And verse 4, for some time he refused. He would not intervene in her case. But finally, Jesus continues the story. He said to himself, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care about men, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, Sheldon, 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 she keeps on bothering me in the middle of the night. I got this lady in my head. She's in my dream. She keeps on knocking on my door. Give me justice. Give me justice. I can't, she, 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 can't shake her from my brain. She's driving me bananas. Listen, I don't love God. I don't love people. But this woman is going to drive me to an early grave. So because she bothers me, because she's so persistent and won't give up, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Wow, this is one persistent lady. I mean, she would not. She would not take no for an answer. And Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. This is a bad guy. This is a, a judge who has no respect for God, no respect for people. So what do you think God will do? Do you think God will not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? 
Do you think God is like that person? He's not like that. He will see that they get justice and justice quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The whole context of the parable is about the end of the world and the coming of, of, of the, the Messiah, the second advent of Jesus. That's a broader context. But the principle of the thing, persistence, 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 perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. I will not take no for an answer. And we can learn even, ah, oh, it pains me to say it, we can learn even from Tom, oh, we can even learn from Tom Brady about perseverance you watch that game tonight and you mark my words you watch that quarterback drive that ball down the field the only thing that will stop him is if they knock him on his rear end over and over and over again and the likelihood of that happening in this type of moment in this type of situation in this clutch game is very very low persistence perseverance if it can work in a silly game imagine what it can do in matters that mean the most like matters of prayer jesus is inviting us to ask and to seek and to knock and to be perseverant will we take him up on his off 